Welcome to Keep Them Coming with Open the Doors Coaching. I'm your host, Kristen Thomas. I'm a relationship, dating, and sex coach based in Kansas City, and I just love to talk to people about what goes on in their sex lives and relationships. I also enjoy a good conversation about love, activism, or making change in the world. Be warned, you should probably be 18 and over, and probably also listening on your headphones. Thanks for tuning in. Today's guest is a friend that I made during my networking times. Eric Thomas is the board president of the AIDS Service Foundation. He came on the show to tell me more about the foundation as well as AIDS Walk Kansas City. With COVID-19 and Kansas City's stay-at-home order, we're certainly not going to get thousands of people together for an in-person walk. So we talked about the pivots that they're making to still be able to service their organizations that help people in the region, not only with their diagnosis, but with living full, healthy lives with HIV and AIDS. We also talked about how there's such a different understanding between generations of HIV and AIDS and some of the stigma, as well as the U equals U campaign and what that means for our new understanding of living a life with HIV. I couldn't help with what's going on in the world discuss some of the uh, things that I wish could have happened in the early days of the HIV epidemic. It's kind of strange talking about one pandemic when uh, you're in the middle of another one. I hope what you'll get from this episode is that there is a lot of hope. There's been a lot of research over the last few years, and there are people in the community who are out there dedicated to making sure that there's prevention, there's treatment, and that there's resources for everyone in our community. I hope you not only learn something about this organization, but you learn something about HIV and AIDS today. There's still a lot of stigma, there's still a lot of misinformation, miseducation, and just a lack of education. And of course, educating people about STIs and human sexuality is what I am here on the planet to do. So I hope you enjoy our conversation. Joining me today on Keep Them Coming is a very dear friend of mine. We met through the LGBT chamber and I kind of latched on to him right away because we have the same last name. He's my brother from another mother now. This is Eric Thomas. Thank you for coming on, Eric. Hello. Good morning, Kristen. I'm so happy to be here. You and I have been talking about this for several months now, and I'm glad that we're finally finding some time to connect. Me too. So Eric is the board president for the AIDS Service Foundation of Greater Kansas City, and I'm finally participating in a charity. It's been a few years since I supported something, and part of the way that I'm going to support the AIDS Service Foundation is through AIDS Walk KC, which is making some pivots. So I'm having you on today to talk about all the things with AIDS Service Foundation and AIDS Walk. Again, I'm so glad you're here to um, help me and my audience learn more about what you all do. Absolutely. I'm looking forward to it. So first off, AIDS Service Foundation. Can you give me a little information, a little history about that organization? Absolutely. So um, I always like to remind people we are a, um, a foundation first and foremost, right? Our primary goal is to raise funds. And what we do with those funds is we redistribute them back into the Kansas City, uh, 11 County metropolitan area. 
And, um, you know, we really focus on organizations that provide the education, awareness, treatment, and prevention that we find necessary to combat HIV AIDS right here in Kansas City. So, you know, we, um, you know, we started, uh, ironically, not as a foundation itself, right? The foundation was a, a byproduct of what we, what we started as, and that was the walk. And, um, you know, back in late 80s, early 90s, um, you know, Kansas City had a, a group of wonderful human beings that came together and said that we needed, um, we needed a unified response to um, the HIV AIDS crisis. You know, we know that in the late 80s, after government had neglected um, the disease and let it run rampant and it, you know, wiped out entire communities, right? And um, so, so people started to, to listen and, and no better way than to protest your frustration than to organize in mass. And that's where um, the walk really came from. And so, um, you know, the walk was something that originated in, in the, um, the prospects of a wonderful human being, Stephen Metzler. Um, he was uh, unfortunately no longer with us, but you, you don't need to look around very far in Kansas City to find fingerprints of Stephen Metzler. Everything from the Folly mm -hmm. Theater mm -hmm. to, um, to businesses, to philanthropy, Alvin Ailey School of Dance. I mean, you name it, he's mm -hmm. got his fingerprints on it. So, so mm -hmm. Stephen organized and grabbed some community leaders and said, let's start raising some money. And the walk was a great way to do that. And it started off, you know, small, just a couple hundred people. And, um, you know, that, that legacy still continues on with, you know, last year we had over 3,500 people who showed up for the walk. So, so the oh, walk, that's amazing. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's just great. And I always like to remind people that the walk really created the foundation. The walk was our desire to connect with the community, to show people who we were, uh, why we we're here, you know, act up and all these other HIV AIDS advocacy <laughs> groups were, you know, really taking it into their own hands. And so, so that's what Kansas City did. And then a few years later in 1992, um, the AIDS Service Foundation came together because, um, you know, at a time when the government was supremely neglecting uh, this mm -hmm. outbreak, and like I said, it really rested upon the private industries and, and community leaders and philanthropists to say, we need to, we need to start raising some money to start treating these people. And, you know, today we, we, we still partner with what we call aid service organizations. Mm -hmm. And so we call them ASOs. So I'll use that from here on out. Um, and these organizations really uh, combat HIV AIDS in Kansas City through a, a multitude of angles. And so that ranges from everything from, you know, just uh, having, um, you know, permanent housing solution for people impacted mm -hmm. by HIV AIDS who, you know, either can't work, uh, were, you know, removed from their jobs, had no source of income, mm -hmm. were shunned by their community and by their religious leaders and by their families. And so you have organizations like SAVE, um, SAVE Incorporated, that still to this day is a permanent housing solution organization, um, you know, that, that helps people find homes so that they can, um, you know, have some stability and have a place mm -hmm. to rest their heads. So, you know, it was, it was that organization. It was the, you know, um, the, what we call the Good Samaritan Project, now Thrive Health Connection. And Good Samaritan mm -hmm. Project was all of these wonderful nurse case managers who were helping to find people and connect them with care 
in the city and then um mm -hmm. you know you you had the what what we call today the kc care health center and um you know still that's an organization that's a, a federally qualified health center and what they do is they you know provide the treatment the diagnosis mm -hmm. the testing and the treatment and the medications for those with the hiv um and so um they're, they're just these wonderful wonderful rich partnerships that we still to this day um you know really provides us our fuel so as the foundation you know we host our walk we host a couple other great events throughout the year and um we just continue to raise that money to provide funding to our organizations and help them in their endeavors of providing the education awareness treatment and prevention uh, necessary well thank you for that i had no idea that the walk came first and then the foundation was created so mm -hmm. Um, that just goes to show what people coming together, trying to support their community can accomplish, right? Absolutely. And I, like I said, it, there's so many people who don't know that super, super important facet of our organization that, you know, it really existed because people realized there was power in unifying and, and re mm -hmm. reducing uh, redundancies and creating efficiencies and, you know, making sure that we had a unified community response to this, you know, epidemic. Absolutely. I um, find it interesting that we're talking about one epidemic while we're in the middle of another. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, not to get too political, but one thing that did strike me early on with our response to all this was how if only our government had responded to HIV in the early days, the way that it has to something like this, where it actually was trying to do research and understand it and prevent the spread of it. And right. there's been a lot of, there's been a lot of articles and a lot of talk, especially amongst the LGBT community about this. Mm -hmm. So I, um, what have you really seen? What has been some of the, the commentary that you've heard about this? Yeah, I mean, first and foremost is anger. And really, it's tapping yeah. in, into that that deep seated anger that I would say um, still exists in our community. Because mm -hmm. you know, like you said, like what if we would have responded differently? What if mm -hmm. um, we collectively came together and said we have to put a stop to this? To where you know we were losing millions and millions of of LGBT men mm -hmm. predominantly, but also we lost women. an entire generation of gay men. Yeah, we lost an entire really generation. Did. Yeah, and so. I still look at the impacts of that today, you know, so, mm -hmm. you know, I think that, you know, we're, we're still struggling with what that trauma actually did. You know, we say things like it wiped out a whole generation, but what we don't realize is that there are so many people who were, um, who were in the aftermath, who were left behind, mm -hmm. the ones who mm -hmm. buried their partner, the ones who buried mm -hmm. their best friends, the mothers who buried their sons, and you know, the aunts and the uncles and just the absolute devastation that ripped through families. So, I mean, still to this day, you know, I sit here as board president of a 30 plus year old organization, um, but I'm only 35. Okay. So I draw mm -hmm. a lot of parallels between my own age and my time on this planet to what the fight has looked like. And I, I just can't imagine me, what if I was 35 back when this all started mm -hmm. and the amount of people that you had to see and you had to part with as a result of it. So, um, you know, the, the thing I, I try to caution people is that, you know, anger doesn't get you anywhere. 
Um, mm-hmm. You know, you're right to be angry. I'm angry. Um, I've never personally lost someone to due to AIDS, um, but I, I've known several people who have, and that's enough for me. Mm-hmm. And so, um, mm-hmm. you know, we talk about like what what a unified response would have looked like, but I, you know, really back then and even still today, the LGBT community is fighting for voice. We're fighting for acceptance. Yeah. We're fighting for, yeah. you know, just to be loved by even our family members and our community and our religious leaders. So that's all we're still fighting to this day. So to think that back then when our lives were already placed at such a low value to the society as as a whole, you know, we were not a highly valued um, group of humans. And so, of mm-hmm. course, we got no attention when we found out that there was gay cancer, right? Right. It was just wiping right. us out. You know, and some people applauded it. And some people even said, well, you know, it's just, it's gay men and, you know, drug addicts. It's the wrath of God. Yeah. what I remember. It. Yeah, it's a punishment. But um, I thought long and hard about it, like what it, what it means and, you know, the reason why I dedicate my free time and energy to HIV AIDS advocacy is because at one point, um, like the juxtaposition of love, right? Like men were coming together to love other men and to do what feels right, to connect with another human being in a sexual endeavor. But at that very moment, that beautiful act of creating a sexual bond would also be um, the the moment when you could contract something deadly to kill you, mm-hmm. it would eventually mm-hmm. like eviscerate your your immune system and render you defenseless to any common cold and and would kill you. And so, the parallels between how HIV commonly struck gay men for loving other gay men or MSM we call them, um, mm-hmm. and today to where um, we have a global pandemic that is hopping from one human physical interaction to another, you know, just hugging somebody, just shaking someone's hand. And again, in a non-sexual way, but that's how this is spreading. And, you mm-hmm. know, also to not get political, but I I do love what, you know, our, our leader that's kind of arisen to the cause is Andrew Cuomo. Yes. And um, he's just been so powerful and I just love hearing him speak, but one thing that really stuck out to me is that, you know, when New York City became the epicenter and people were zooming in saying, what's going on here? What, you know, what are you doing? And he said, you know, the reason why we are the epicenter is because in New York City, we are close. We are close in physical distance. We are close in proximity. We reside on trains together. We share sidewalks together. And I just thought that was just such a beautiful um, interpretation of the, like, the human experience of of wanting to be close, needing to be close, and actually being close, and then something negative coming from that, such as spreading a disease. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, I, I've seen the videos, and I've talked to the older, I would say the 50-plus generation, the ones who lived through it firsthand, and I think that that's, that's where I get a lot of my motivation, really, is hearing them and hearing how 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 much they still carry with them, how much that deep-seated anger for what we could have done, right? And mm-hmm. um, and so that's why you still, to this day, I, I, I love to hear from that generation because they provide such a wealth of, of understanding about what the disease was like and, and um, you know, how 
today, you know, we can deal with the global pandemic in that same vein of, of trying to um, wipe it out. Yes, absolutely. One one life loss is one life too many. Mm-hmm. And that was, you know, something that a friend of mine had posted about, about, you know, she was finally accepting the sadness as kind of just being the, the global sadness at this loss. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and just kind of trying to accept that. And um, mm-hmm. I quoted to her from, from whom the bell tolls about any man's mm-hmm. death diminishes me because I'm involved in mankind and therefore never send to know for whom the bell tolls. It tolls for thee. you know, mm-hmm. it's sad times and mm-hmm. yeah. no, no one's, no one's should be bearing their sibling, their child, their friend, their coworker, anybody right now. Um, right. And I hope that this is a wake up call for a lot of things that have been going wrong in our society. So. Yeah, please. And I, I will say that you know, as we as we get older, you know, back in the 80s, you could see a gay man, the value of a gay man's life in 1988, right? It was just so disgustingly low in society's mm-hmm. eyes, right? To where mm-hmm. today, the thought of somebody losing their sweet grandmother 82 years old to COVID-19, you, you can mm-hmm. see how just society treats those two different lives so differently. And, yes. um, you know, again, I don't harbor any ill will. I, I wish the best for everybody. And I, I would agree with you. Like, there's no one life that's more valuable than another. Every human life is valuable and should be protected. So, um, yep. yeah. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So, so I'm glad that organizations like Aid Service Foundation are around because, again, it is that organization that helps provide funds, and mm-hmm. that way people, you know, those organizations, those ASOs, can get out and do that very, very important work in our community. So Absolutely. I'm so glad that it's around. Mm-hmm. So, since the walk is the really the big thing, it's the fundraiser, and it is mm-hmm. April 25th. Fifth, April twenty fifth. Yes, yep. um, I had to look at my calendar real quick there, make sure I was saying that right. Um, and obviously, we are not all getting together to walk. So, tell me about what changes you've made to make this a virtual walk. Awesome. Yeah. I mean, when this whole thing started, right? So, fat, rewind just a little bit, Kristen. Like, sure. what were you doing February fifteenth? What were you doing February twenty eighth? What were you doing March seventh? And just look at those, oh my gosh. Those, right? Yeah. <laughs> and everything just escalated so unbelievably quickly. And, you know, I, I was in Palm Springs at the end of February. And mm-hmm. I remember hearing about it, it come ashore. It was in the U.S. It was up in Seattle. And there were three cases. And everyone was just like, oh, you know, three cases. We'll see what happens. And, you know, that was March 3rd, cut to Two weeks later, March 17th is when Kansas City went on the full um, shelter in place order. And, mm-hmm. you know, at first it was three weeks and then it was April 24th and yada, yada, yada. But just think how quickly that all escalated and and then think about what that would do to an organization, a nonprofit organization such as the Aid Service Foundation, right? In mm-hmm. the middle of our biggest fundraising event. Um, yeah, we, you know, the AIDS walk and due to our corporate sponsors, our community sponsors and our personal sponsorships, I mean, it, it brings in about three, three fourths of our annual uh, fundraising, our annual budget. 
And so it's mm-hmm. not a it's not a small event. <laughs> right. When you, when you talk about a nonprofit organization that already um, eats, sleeps and breathes expense ratio and returning our, our most uh, bang for our buck for every dollar we donate and how we push that back into the community. Right. So it was just it was so important. And so, um, you know, what, what ended up happening is that, you know, we've got a great partnership with our event production firm called the Lenigan Group. And um, the executive committee and Lenigan Group all got on a call in, you know, like March 10th. And, um, you know, we all sat there and, you know, obviously it's kind of in shock about what are we going to do? You know, how... How are we going to successfully pull this out of the fire and and polish it up and and resurrect the walk to make sure it goes on? Because you know, just because there's a global pandemic doesn't mean that people who need treatment, people who need testing, people who need um, education or even basic services like food and shelter, those things don't stop. And they, yeah, they and, can't wait. Yeah, they can't wait, and so. Um, you know, we saw so many events, it just kind of postponed. And I felt like that was from a position of uh, luxury, right? That organizations like um, really great organizations around town were just saying, hey, um, we're going to do our event September 10th, you know? Um, oh, we're pushing it back to October. And so there were all these postponed events. And like I said, we, we all collectively agreed. We said, we, we can't postpone. We, you know, we need to move forward with pulling this AIDS walk together and how, how do we go about it um, to make sure that it's still a, a fruitful endeavor, that we can still raise those funds. So, you know, I'm really proud of the executive committee and our partnership with the Linicum Group because honestly, um, it, like I said, when it first came out, it was kind of doom and gloom. We were all a little depressed and you mentioned it earlier, mm-hmm. the, the grief and it started to set in and I said, absolutely not. He, you know, I see this team. I know the quality of work we produce. I know what we're capable of doing. Who says we can't pivot from an actual walk, you know, um, a huge celebration, if you will, at Tice Park by the Nelson Atkins Museum right off the plaza. And, um, you know, we'd host this huge celebration and go on the three-mile uh, three mile walk and we'd have our memorial program and 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 mothers and lovers and friends would carry signs of those who'd gone on before us and so we were you know sad that we were going to lose that because uh, you know that was our opportunity to, to thank everyone thank our community for still caring about the mm-hmm. fight thank them for continuing to raise funds thank them for continuing to donate their time and the resources towards the cause. So um, we didn't want to lose that. We still wanted to show people that we're still here, that we're still going to keep raising funds. And so I felt like, you know, it was just such a such a plain and simple answer, <laughs> kind of in retrospect, and I'll let you know how it goes, but like, it was obvious we had to go forward and we just had to pivot a bit to virtual. And so we mm-hmm. made the decision, um, rolled it out and, and since we've been hosting, you know, weekly check-ins with team captains, so our captains who have their own fundraising walk teams, mm-hmm. and, um, you know, we've been hosting weekly Zoom meetings with them to make sure, hey, you have all your questions answered, um, up till even this morning at 10 a.m. And, 
And, um, you know, we went live on our Facebook and, you know, the Linicum group and Tasha Everett, um, wonderful humans, they all broadcasted like a live Q&A. We had over 50 people logged in who were saying, okay, how do I access this? Or what do I do to do that? And so what we're going to do is next Saturday, April 25th at 10 a.m., we are going to go uh, live through Facebook. Uh, we're going to have a couple different mediums that we'll deliver. So we'll have some pre-recording uh, items because obviously with social distancing, we can't <laughs> gather the Heartland Men's Course all together, right? So there are some uh -huh. some challenges that we're trying to squeak out. You know, we've got a message from the mayor. You'll hear from myself. Um, you'll hear from the ever impressive Ron McGee and how he kind of warms people up with a little jazzercise. And so we're going to do all of these things and highlight, um, you know, within that hour, there's over 50 people that we've selected to kind of channel through and broadcast where they're walking, how they're walking, who they're with. It better be just their partners and immediate family that's nearby, right? <laughs> Don't be gathering. Uh -huh. Nobody, nobody right. gathering. No gathering. <laughs> yeah, no gathering. Um, and so we're going to broadcast wear, wear your masks. We're going to broadcast through Facebook and give people the opportunity to also kind of share them. So Zoom is a wonderful platform. If you're not familiar, you can download the Zoom app, and uh, I believe it's called Zoom Web Conferencing, and it's free. And with our corporate account, we allow up to 500 people to also live stream at the same time. So it doesn't. Um, it doesn't show each and every screen. You can cycle through them. You can randomly select. I mean, you name it. It's going to be such a fun way to kind of interactively engage. And, you know, the one thing I've been telling the committee and uh, the Linicum group and our community all along is, like, we should all lean into this awkward time that we're alive. Like, yes, this is not how we want to do it. No, <laughs> this isn't normal. But we're going to lean in and we're going to show that not only are we here and continuing to raise the funds, but we're, we're, we're not stopping. We're not going to stop walking. The walk was always a ceremonial highlight of the foundation mm -hmm. and showing people that, you know, raising public awareness that the fight for HIV AIDS is still ongoing, that we are still fighting the good fight. There is not a cure we've made significant investments in science and research and we understand the disease much better now and i'd love to talk about that a bit more but you know we we have to keep showing people that we're here and that we're going to keep fighting absolutely absolutely so how can people well i mean i i am doing the aids walk uh, I've gotten some I've gotten some donations, so That's I'm still working on. I've I've been sending out some individual messages, um, like you know, even five dollars or ten dollars helps. Come on, help me get to my five hundred dollar goal. Um, so hey, I'll put my my thing in the show notes. But how mm. can people help out and get some money, get some funds into the Aid Service Foundation? Well, thank you, first of all, for, for getting involved. Um, the, the one thing I'll say before we get into the how-to is the, the one thing that we kept hearing from our, our donors and community leaders and partners, they kept saying, look, Aid Service Foundation, you need to recruit young people to this fight, that this yes. is not just a 50-plus 
gay white man disease, right? Like there are young people contracting this. There are, you know, women contracting this, you name it. And so mm -hmm. we had to start getting younger as an organization, you know, and we have our, one of our youngest executive committees we've had. And mm -hmm. it's, it's a wonderful, wonderful group of very dedicated individuals. And, um, and so, uh, what we're seeing is a lot more young people are getting involved. And Kristen, you are young. You are a sprig of a woman. <laughs> you are so young. But even even more so is that, you know, we're seeing 20 to 25-year-olds get involved who want to mm -hmm. be on our steering committee, who want to dedicate their time and resources, who also want to do a team. So, you know, we're a, a week out, just a week from today. Hopefully, we'll be walking on Zoom through proper physical and social distancing for the 32nd annual AIDS walk, but there's still a week to fundraise. So, um, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. See, like I said, we're trying to lean into it, and I've been really impressed with how some of these teams are putting together like a Zoom session. Um, my team, which is Eric's Army, we hosted a yappy hour, which is generally at Bar K, and it's a wonderful uh -huh. event where we bring our dogs and have cocktails and you know, last year we raised seventeen hundred dollars. This year we raised a thousand. And so last year we had a huge event with raffles and cocktails and you know, hundred people. This year we had mm -hmm. twenty-two generous souls who logged into a Zoom account and we spent an hour just talking about our dogs and our favorite toys and yeah, so it was cute. But then, you know, all the other teams that I've seen, one of them was doing a cooking tutorial. And he ah. was to his team and asking for donations. Um, and another one last night I, I was participant in was bingo. And we hosted a virtual bingo yesterday from 5 to 6.30. And I saw I, that. Uh -huh. yeah, and it was so fun. And it, it was just, it was so cute to connect with everyone. Um, but that brought in over 5,000. So, um, you know, don't think that just because we're not throwing a massive event for 3,500 people in a park, don't think that you can't still raise money, even if it's 20 bucks or 30 bucks. That goes right back. All that money that we raise stays right here in Kansas City and goes to fund these organizations and continue to raise awareness in the fight. So it's never too late. <laughs> you can always make a donation. I'm going to put a little plug if you don't mind. The, sure. the website is um, AIDSWalkKansasCity.org. And then um, if you'd like to go to my specific page, you can. That'd be great. If not, don't worry about it. Just make a donation to the page. Um, but even this is what's really cool. So we talk about, you know, how we're leaning into it and kind of embracing this new world. We've never done this before, Kristen. But we are going to have a live text to donate. And um, mm -hmm. we're rolling it out. And every captain will get a captain's shirt. And they will get a sign so that on the day of the walk, they can hold the sign, walk with it, and be a little cheesy and be a little silly. But, um, you know, we wanted to do that because, boy, if I'm watching something live and I'm seeing people, you know, like getting to make that donation and, like, experience that joy at the same time, which is something we really try to capture. So <laughs> we talked about it being like a, a telethon. You remember those things? Yes. <laughs> like, Yep, my grandma used to always, uh, she'd call into the KCPT at the telethons and they'd say, you know, for 50 bucks, you can get this uh, coffee cup or 
for 150 bucks, you can get this coffee cup and tote bag. And um, there's just fun stuff like that. So we're going to lean into that. Expect to see some text to donate uh, fun stuff on the day of the walk for to generate some excitement and really, really provide that connectivity because really, um, Kristen, we are a family. The Aid Service Foundation and our ASOs, our community of supporters and volunteers, we call them our ASF family because truly mm -hmm. we spend so much time together that that's how we perceive it. So um, it's going to be a great chance to connect with each other, to connect with, um, connect with the community. Absolutely. I think I just came up with an idea of something I can do this week to raise oh. some funds. I think what I'll do is an ask me anything session on a live. I love doing them where people just can um, private message me a question or email me a question beforehand and I'll ask it, but I'll put up my donation link in, uh, in the notes or whatever, in the, in the, the comments mm -hmm. and, um, yeah, or maybe they like to to maybe ask me the question. They have to donate. I don't know. I'll figure something out. Yeah. But yeah, I can make this work. I can make this work. You absolutely yeah. can, and I love that. See, and that's what's so cool is that we may be missing the interaction of sitting in the same room or in the same park or in the same field together, right? But that doesn't mean we're not connected. That doesn't mean that I don't experience things the exact moment that you experience them. So if you're broadcasting live, and even if it's something as silly as a Q and A. Yeah, ask me any question you want and I will answer it. Like people will, will be like, okay, yeah, I'll, I'll give her 10 bucks. You know, I'll, I'm curious. I'll ask this question. I'll, I'll give her 20 bucks. Um, when we did our yappy hour, the virtual one, we started playing a guessing game for dog's favorite toys. And people held up like one of two toys and we had to guess and say, if you, if you want to guess, you got to pay 10 bucks. And it was just a fun, super cheesy, ah, interactive mm -hmm. way. Yeah. But people, you'd be surprised. People are really leaning into it, Kristen. It's beautiful to see. All right. I'm going to figure something out for that for sure this week. I promise mm -hmm. you that. <laughs> it's time for a quick break. I promise it'll just be a minute. So stay tuned. I'll be right back after a few words that help me get paid. So let's let's go back to something um which is sort of there is a difference in how we contextualize and talk about hiv and aids now mm -hmm. in our in the younger generation than the previous generation did and we kind of touched base mm -hmm. on on that a little bit but and there's a difference in how we look at it both socially and mm -hmm. medically and i think right now it is up to the younger generation people like myself who are sexuality educators to help people understand more about this virus, mm -hmm. um, about how far we have come in the research and what is available right now. Um, but yeah, we see it kind of differently socially and medically. So uh, yeah. I want to tell a little story real quick. Um, I actually myself had an HIV scare a couple of years ago. Okay. Um, <laughs> you know, you get that first test back and they tell you it's reactive and you kind of, you don't know what, what to think. Um, mm -hmm. you, it's, it's scary. It really is. Um, my second test came back inconclusive. And at wow. that point, they brought in a, commu a community health advocate mm -hmm. who was talking to me about something I didn't even realize because this was before I was a sex coach. Um, mm -hmm. That right now, medically, they see HIV and AIDS as being on par with something like diabetes mm -hmm. or hepatitis. It is a long-term manageable disease. Yes. It's no longer a death sentence. 
So I was, you know, I get, I got that third test, which was the Western blot and it was negative. Um, Mm -hmm. Turned out I had had a bunch of immunizations because of foreign travel and Mm -hmm. every single one of those immunizations was on the list that creates a false positive. So (laughs) I, you know, it was just that. So I've had to tell every time since when I go in for my regular testing, because as a single woman who is sexually active and not monogamous, I am responsible and test quarterly. Bless you, Um, child. (laughs) Yes. 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 And I do more than what the CDC actually recommends for a woman like me. They say once a year. Um, I don't, I don't follow that. I do quarterly. Uh, but I had to tell him every time, like, please do a Western blot so that you and I, neither of us shit our pants. <laughs> uh, like I said, I did not realize that we had gotten to that point medically mm-hmm. with HIV. So yeah, let's talk a little bit about what, what kind of advances we've been seeing out there and what we know about HIV these days and how we protect ourselves in the community. Yeah. So let me ask you a question first, you know, when that sure. came back. Um, and it, it did appear that you were HIV positive. How did you feel? Scared. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, wondering what my future was going to be like, uh, mm-hmm. thinking about how I didn't have health insurance. That was, um, oh, wait, I did have health insurance at that time, but I think I was like, what if I lose my health insurance? Um, mm-hmm. yeah, I was thinking about like the cost. I like, yeah, there's medications, but what's the cost? And then the stigma. Um, Mm -hmm. how do you tell future partners? Um, yeah, there was a lot that was going through my head. Absolutely. Yeah. And so just take all of that, that you felt in that very moment, you know, as a gay man who's also sexually active and at one point was not in a committed relationship. Every time I'd go get tested, it was agonizing. I was so fearful. I was so afraid that, you know, my love of men and, having sex with men would push me to the point of contracting a disease that could kill me. And I just had all these Mm -hmm. insurmountable fears. And so there's a lot that we deal with on the regular that I, we just don't acknowledge. So I want to acknowledge first that that is perfectly acceptable to be anxious Mm -hmm. about it, but the advancements we've made have made it so that it is not a death sentence, you know, and we call it a living sentence now. And you're right, mm-hmm. it, it should be in the same vein as, you know, diabetes, because it's perfectly treatable, it's perfectly manageable, and you can live a very healthy, productive, normal life while also being mm-hmm. HIV positive. And so mm-hmm. for so long, though, that, that crippling fear of what if I was diagnosed and the stigma that comes with it, the the, you know, the social pariah and, you know, you find out that somebody's HIV positive and what do you do? You're, you say, oh, well, he's cute, but he's got HIV. I'm not going to, I'm not going to risk it. I'm not going to sleep with them. So then we tell these individuals who have contracted the disease, we tell them yet again, that you're not equal, you're less, you're, you're disgusting, you have a disease. And then mm-hmm. what does that human live with? And that just that sadness. And so what we're so proud to share is that, you know, the CDC and the World Health Organization have come out and acknowledged that there's this this dirty little rumor that sounds like a super little fun sci-fi uh, fantasy, but is 100% true, is that undetectable equals untransmittable. 
Yes. And that that advancement just a few short years ago, by the way, Kristen, that was this is not a, a long term thing, right? This is just a few years ago. And with the leadership of Bruce Richmond, who was our um, WAC chairman a few years ago, came and spoke and delivered at our um, World AIDS Day luncheon the concept of U equals U. And I just remember even just a few years ago, that was new to me. And so yeah. we're going back and forth, we're reading up on it and deciding, is this the theme? Is this what we're going to go with? And as such, you know, we started kind of rolling it out and having a few events and talking about it with people. And I have to tell you, I was approached by an older, older gay man, a wonderful human being. He came to me and said, Eric, I don't know if we should be promoting the U equals U. Like it, it just, it doesn't seem like it's fair and that, that it's promoting healthy sexual practices. And I was like, hmm, can you help me understand that a bit more? Because, I, you know, somebody who is HIV positive, I felt like he would be singing it from the rooftops, right? Mm -hmm, but he, mm -hmm. he was concerned that it would give permission for the frivolous sex. And, you know, I, the one thing I say is, did birth control bring about this <laughs> sexual revolution in women that they were just running rampant in the streets? No, it's a control. It's a it's the ability mm -hmm. to control disease or control the uh, you know undesired outcome of uh, of an unwanted pregnancy. It's so it's allowing you to be in control of your sexuality, to be in control of your body, to be in control of who you love. And so mm -hmm. it's it's beautiful because I you know I, I love to share the U equals U because it's just it's it's poetic in my mind because it's like. We're finally telling these people, we're finally telling them, you're fine. You are fine. You can be loved mm -hmm. and you can be, you know, in a committed relationship. You can have all of these things because we're going to, we're going to suppress the, the virus in your system to where it's undetectable so low that you can't actually transmit it. So then you have persons who were, you know, previously unable to find love because, you know, the community shunned them. They'd say, well, like I said, they're HIV positive. I can't sleep with them, right? But now they're able to like live very healthy relationships and they can enjoy the intimacy that comes with a, a unprotected intercourse, um, obviously with safe practices and healthy conversation and dialogue about who you're committed to and who you're opening up to, but you can mm -hmm. experience that now. So I think it was just a, it was a beautiful evolution in the fight um, and, you know, why it's so important for the work that we do um, through the foundation, why it's so immensely important is because we're, we're taking that money and we're going, donating it back to organizations like Thrive Healthcare, um, Thrive Health Connections. And what they do is they, to this day, still provide that nurse case management. So that when somebody does contract the disease, that we can immediately connect them to care. We can mm -hmm. get them placed in treatment and we can have them reach viral suppression in as little as three months, by the way, that it's that, mm -hmm. it can be that attainable. That mm -hmm. It can be that fast and you can be undetectable in un as little as three months and untransmittable. As long as you're connected to care, you know, we'll practice routine checking in and, and making sure that you're 
you're you're still taking care of yourself and maintaining your medications as you should, but then you can be perfectly fine. And I think that's that's liberating, you know. And I I love to share that. So when I talked to this older gentleman and um, you know he expressed some concern with us rolling it out, I I had to warm up to the message, and it was you know just a few weeks after our launch in in December of twenty. Uh, gosh, December of 2018 now, um, you know, he came back up to me. He was like, Eric, I can't believe I ever thought this message was not appropriate for the masses, you know? And so it even still, we're, we're still trying to educate people. We're trying to let them know, you know, what you can do to protect your body um, and protect yourself so that you can be um, just as normal as ever. You can have all the uh, the nuances of being normal do just by, you know, getting connected to care. Yes, absolutely. I think you equals you was groundbreaking when they came out. I think everyone was like, oh, wow. Like they, that knowledge just wasn't there. We had no idea that that mm -hmm. was possible. So it, that yeah. was a, a huge stride in the research. And, um, mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that does, like you say, it provides people some, some stability and some normalcy and hope. A lot of hope. Mm -hmm. Lots of hope. Oh, yes, I'm yeah. so glad you did that. Yeah, and it's beautiful. And then we kept that theme going when we brought Kim Mike Barbie, uh, who is another very strong HIV advocate. And uh, he's got a social channel and does some great work. But he talks about how, um, he, you know, he's undetectable as well. And he talks about even still to this day that there's so much miseducation or uneducation even within our own LGBT community about it being HIV positive and that people, you know, when they hear that you can be undetectable equals untransmittable, even still, you know, Kim like Barbie was mentioning how many people were just so disgustingly nasty to him, even through like Grindr and Scruff and all these online dating. I'm like, really? So we brought him in and he was able to speak to it at an even deeper degree because there are humans, there are people who are living with this, who, who deserve to be loved both by themselves and by others and by their community. And so I feel like the more we can tell people that they're okay, the better we all do. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, there's ignorance on every side of an issue and that stems from misinformation or not not being informed, it doesn't matter whether it's a choice or they just haven't been presented with the information. Mm -hmm. And yeah, we are, you know, I, I think when it comes to anything that's medical, that there's a fear and an innate mm -hmm. fear amongst people about getting it. And they choose oftentimes to not um, seek information. Mm -hmm. And it, we have to be the ones who are out there putting the information out, but people have to be willing to also consume it. So yeah, yeah, keep shouting from keep it. shouting from the rooftops. Yeah, keep shouting yeah. from the rooftops. <laughs> keep keep those campaigns going. So that's yeah, wonderful. Absolutely. Uh, that you've all done that. So Yeah. Like I said, it's it just it's such a remarkable, remarkable community that, that supports us. You know, everything from St. Luke's, you know, one of our long term partners and ATT and all these wonderful organizations that continue to fund uh, fund our mission and so that we can keep doing what we're doing. And that's, that's to provide the education, awareness, treatment and prevention, uh, to fight HIV AIDS right here in Kansas city.
Well, thank you for being a part of that fight. <laughs> well, thank you. Um, You're now okay. part of it too, girl. <laughs> yes, I am. Absolutely. And, um, yeah. you know, I do, I, HIV and AIDS isn't something that often comes up with my heterosexual clients, mm -hmm. but I do make sure that I'm talking to them about safe sex, safer sex practices. Safer sex, um, yep. Safer sex. Yeah, let's let's talk about that real quick before we wrap up. There is um, no such no such thing as safe sex, but there is such a thing as safer sex. Absolutely. Um, con condoms and barrier protection are are there to most of the time prevent the transmission of STIs, including HIV and AIDS. Mm -hmm. um, but you do have to wear them properly. You do have to use them properly. Uh, yes. You know, you've got to uh, use lubrication with condoms so that they don't break. Mm -hmm. um, but you still, no matter what the STI is, run a slight risk of exposure. So, yes, we need to be calling it safer sex. Safer safer sex. That's correct. And I, mm -hmm. you hit the nail on the head. Like, we, we need to talk about it. And there's this this weird thing that we do that, you know, Americans, we love our sex and sex sells us our our beer, our cars or our hamburgers. Right. But we can't talk about it because we're just like oh, you know, it's sex. Don't, don't, don't talk get me about started. That. I know. But uh. I love what you're doing because, you know, like you're giving voice to it. And I would say that the more we talk about things, the more our understanding is shaped, the more that our knowledge is shaped on that topic and you know i would say among my friend group you know predominantly gay men um we talk about sex a lot and not gratuitously but just like you know if we're at a party and we notice uh oh sparks are flying um <laughs> that, that i've actually gone up to the 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 male suitor and said listen this is my friend if you're going to do things, the unspeakable things to him, do me a favor, do them as safe as possible, <laughs> like safer yes. sex, like take care of yourself, take care of him, um, and, and take care of your bodies, right? Like respecting and owning your status, which means that, you know, we need to talk about sex a lot more than we do. We need to talk about yes. um, safer sex. We need to talk about um, you know, whether you're in a committed relationship or um, an open relationship, you know, to each their own. But please, for the love of God, talk about sex. <laughs> yes, yes. I have gotten all of my lovely lady friends trained to bring their own condoms into situations Good. because Good. you cannot always rely upon someone to not only have a condom, but have the condom that you like. Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's right. Um, and I keep a safer sex kit in my purse that is filled with condoms. So if you're Good. ever out and about and see me and you need a condom after this is all over, hit me up. I've even got packets of Uber Lube in there. So uh, you were the sweetest. <laughs> well, I, I, I just got hooked up by Uber Lube with all these individual like little sachet packets, like mm -hmm. 300 packets of Uber Lube. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Well, so I'll hook. Once this quarantine's over, I, I think you'll I think you'll be a popular girl around town. <laughs> oh, I will have bags of them in my purse at all the chamber events that I go to. I'll be just handing them Perfect. out. So <laughs> if only I could find a way to attach my business card. So I'm just like maybe get those glue dots and attach it to them and hand it out there. Absolutely. Actually, that's not a bad idea. No. <laughs> yeah, but bad yes, idea. um, 
you you are responsible for showing up with your own protection and yep. not relying upon your partner doing it. Um, nope. and, and you are responsible for talking about like the need for and standing your ground about it, mm -hmm. even if a partner says they don't want to. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. there's, yeah. you know, maybe they haven't found the right condom. Maybe that's the thing. So maybe that's a thing, but just, you know, protect yourself, you know, absolutely yes. protect yourself and, you know, enjoy the, the fruits of, of sexuality, right. That we're all mm -hmm. allowed to experience sex and, you know, just do it, like you said, safer sex. So, you know, just to put a pin in it, girl, thank you so much for having me on here. Um, it means the world to me that you're wanting to talk about HIV AIDS and that you're wanting to highlight um, the AIDS Service Foundation and what we do and how we help out here in Kansas City. So, you know, it again, the walk is next Saturday. Yeah, so mm -hmm. excited for it. Uh, you can still make a donation. Go to um, AIDSWalkKansasCity.org, and you can mm -hmm. donate there. But you know, hopefully everyone tunes in. I'll make sure that you have the the link to it. But it's on Facebook under AIDS Walk Goes Virtual. So you can follow there, tag us, add it to your calendar for next Saturday morning. Um, tune in, uh, rain or shine. I will be out yeah. in the street <laughs> live zooming. So don't you worry. I'm ready for it. I will be too. I promise. 10 a.m. Saturday, April 25th. I will be there. Excellent. Well, again, Eric Thomas, thank you so much for being on. And uh, I take it as board president of the AIDS Service Foundation of Greater Kansas City. Do you have some contact information for the people in case they'd like to reach out to you? Absolutely. And please do. Um, you can find me on Facebook or you can find AIDS Walk Kansas City or AIDS Service Foundation of Greater Kansas City on Facebook by a search. You can also email me if you've got other questions. It's pretty simple. It's just president at asfkc.org. And, um, you know, I love inquiries. I love hearing from people. Uh, and, and like I said, you know, I, I'm supported by an amazing uh, event group called the Linican Group. And mm -hmm. also an amazing um, executive and uh, and board of of persons who are just very committed to the fight and making sure that you know one day we will be in an HIV AIDS free Kansas City. Absolutely. Well, thank you again. Love you, darling. I'm so glad you were finally on my show. Yay! Well, thank you so much for having me, girl. Thank you again. I can't can't thank you enough. Absolutely. I'll talk to you soon. Okay. Bye, Kristen. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Keep Them Coming with Open the Doors Coaching. Please rate, subscribe, and share this podcast and check the show notes for stuff we discussed in the episode. You can find me on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, but visit my website if you want more information about me and my coaching services. You can join my not safe for work email list called the Dirty Bird if you want more content about sex and relationships. You can support said content, like my work with this podcast and other forms of media, by visiting listener support with Anchor FM or visit patreon.com to become one of my patrons. Again, check the show notes. I have links for you there. My theme song is original music by M. Kusa. Until next time.